All right. This morning, we will wrap up Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. She may need to turn me back up. I hope she turned me down. Saying, turn me back up, babe. Hey. Felicia. I'm up. I got a devil up here. Hush. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thankful for the Word of God. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for the examples in Scripture that you've given us that we might set ourselves on a, on a pathway to follow. The main example, Lord, that we should look to is Jesus. We just thank you for each and everything that you've presented here to us, the attitudes that you've shown us and the principles that you've laid out before us. Lord, may we apply those to our heart. May we find joy in living for you and be an example of a Christian. Lord, I just pray for our, all of our prayer requests. I ask that you would just heal those that need healing, comfort those that need comfort. Just draw near to each and every one. Lord, we all have circumstances. We all have issues that... We need you. We need to lean on you. Lord, I just pray that each and every one find that, find that comfort in you. May they focus on you and leave the things of this world behind. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 17, it says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Now this morning, in, in these few scriptures here, Paul is, is talking to the Philippians about looking to the future. Okay? Now, We've said time and time again, Paul has a spiritual mind. And, and in this set of scriptures, he's heartbroken so much that he's weeping for, for those, those some professed Christians, okay? Those who, who, who were professing to be Christians, but they had their minds set on earthly things. You know any folks like that? You ever met any people like that? 
Well, they talk a good talk, don't they? But the walk isn't that good. Maybe some of us have fell into that at some point in our life. But but Paul is is speaking to the Philippians about those people, and 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 he's compare he's making a comparison here, and he's saying don't don't end don't be like that. He's warning them. In, in these verses, it is likely that he is describing the Judaizers that we talked about last week and their followers. They, those people, were the enemy of the cross. They added the law, they wanted to add the law of Moses to the work of redemption that, cross, that Christ wrought on the cross. It can, can, you can't do that. Their obedience to the Old Testament. And dietary laws would make a God out of their belly and what he talked about right here in verse 20. They couldn't turn loose of that old religion. Those old things, those old traditions. Now think about that for a minute. Don't we have a bunch of old traditions that we like to hold on to? Those old traditions can be sin. And, and these people were, they were so consumed with, with, with their old traditions and that old law. And, he, and he's telling, he's, cross, uh, Christ, he completed that work on the cross. But they couldn't turn loose for, for of it. And he's telling the Philippians, he's saying, listen, when, when the work was done and the redemption took place on the, on the cross, the blood covered all that. It cleansed all that. Turn loose of that mess. God sanctified it on the cross. These men were not spiritually minded, these Judaizers. Their focus was on earthly things. They were earthly minded. They were holding on to the earthly rituals and beliefs that God had given Israel. And they were opposing the heavenly blessings that the Christian has in Christ. We're the same way. We're the same way. There's many, many church traditions through the ages that, that people that have, have been a stumbling block to people. that they can't turn loose of and it's all about human works. The fruit, the, the good fruit, the only the good fruit that can, can be produced is the work that God does through you that then you produce. But just getting up and going to church and teaching Sunday school or being an usher or Playing the piano or whatever you're hung up on is, is not worth nothing. But through the ages, and I'm sure we can all give, give examples, we know people who, who have held, they, they've held so close to those things and put those things, those religious things before God. And they think that's enough to get them in. 
won't work. Paul says here, it, it's of no good. Paul was reminding those people at Philippi and encouraging the believers at Philippi that our citizenship, again, is not down here. We have dual citizenship until we leave here. We have dual citizenship until we leave here. And he was reminding them again to look at things from heaven's point of view. Put things in the perspective from heaven's point of view. The first point I want to bring out this morning is our names are on heaven's record if we're a child of God. Our names are on heaven's record if we're a child of God. When the lost sinner trusts in Christ, he becomes a citizen of heaven. His or her name is written in the, in the book of life. This is what determines the final entrance into that heavenly country. Luke verse 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 20. Uh, when he says in there, the Greek verb for written, okay? The Greek verb for written is, it is once for all written and stands written. Pretty final, isn't it? The Greek verb for the word written is, it is once for all written and stands written. Now, somebody want to argue with me about you losing your salvation? Can't. The key, though, is to get saved. Really get saved. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, in Luke 10, 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Heavenly record. Matthew 10, 32, 33. Therefore, whoever confesses me before me, and him I, all, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him will, also, will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Heavenly record. It is ever more critical that your name is written once and for all and stands forever in heavenly record. And if, it's, if, if you're not at that point in your life, nothing else matters. Because the rest of this doesn't apply. The first step is to get heavenly record. To be put in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because once you're in it, it stands forever. Revelation 2015 says this, And anyone not found, written, in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Black and white, isn't it? You're either written or you're not written. You're either in the record or you're out of the record. You know, I think about, have you ever showed up somewhere where you, you, you thought you, you were supposed to get in and there was a list and, of people who were supposed to get in? And, and you've showed up and you give them your name. This is dumb, I know, but I think about as a school board member. You know, some of the ball games, especially at the at the 
when it comes to playoff time and certain things, you know, they, they leave a, le a list at the gate and they're, you show up at the gate and you say, I'm Scott Cotton, I'm a school board member. Oh, we don't have you. This is the dumbest thing, but at, at that moment, you get this knot in your stomach. I, I, like I've, I've been missed, I've been forgotten. But I think about that feeling, and, and that, that feeling that you have trying to get in a baseball game or whatever it is and can't get in must not be anything up beside when you get to the gates of heaven and your name's not in the book of life. That's the record that's important. I got the $4 to get in the baseball game, but money can't buy my way into heaven. Things that I've done, the good deeds that I think I've done, the, the, the things that I think might earn my way won't get me there. The only way to get on that final record is redemption through Jesus Christ. And, and I'm sorry, but and I know you've all, have y'all all seen that, that thing that goes around the computer where there's this long staircase, looks like it's up into the clouds and these people are lined up into the clouds? There's a long line of folks that think they're getting in that ain't getting in. That when they get there, he's going to say, I know you're not. Because they hadn't they had been, they had been saved. They've gone to church. They went to youth group. They listened to, to gospel music. They ain't saved. Their name is not recorded, written, final, and, and, and sealed in the book of life. Number two, he says, we speak heaven's language. Now, I thought about that for a minute. I thought, what in the world is he talking about? We speak heaven's language. But he makes perfect sense when he said, those who mind earthly things talk about earthly things. Well, I got to thinking about that. And I got to thinking about myself. And, you know, as God has grown me through the years, I can't help but talk about it. I can't help but share it. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm not talking about somebody that walks around quoting Bible verses or, or trying to be holier than thou. But, but true fellowship and sharing about what God is doing in our lives. Or when somebody is in a set of circumstances looking for advice, we point them toward Jesus. You know, I found through the years one of the worst things I could do when somebody asked me for advice is tell them what I think I'd do. Amen. Especially as much as I've screwed up. But instead, point them to the Word of God because you see there's, there's nothing that's, that's ever happened or ever will happen that there's not an answer for in the Word of God. Period. He's addressed it all. But instead, point them toward the Word of God and offer to pray with them. But do we really speak heaven's language? Because what does the Bible say about what comes out of our mouth? 
What comes out of our mouth is a reflection of where? The heart. You know, you've seen them. Somebody walking around quoting Bible verses or on Sunday telling you how godly they are and then you get to work and what? Huh? <coughs> They're acting like the biggest God-hater you've ever seen. T talking filth and, and vulgarity. But Sunday they were down at the church praising and worshiping God. Well, I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's a sign. That's a big old billboard. About what's in here. About what really is in here. And that's okay. We, they can fool us. They can fool her, but they're not going to fool God. They're not going to fool God. But, but he says, or, he said, those who of, of us who are sanctified and really set apart, we speak heaven's language. And I'm going to tell you something, this world don't like heaven's language. Does it? And that's okay. But there's always nooks and crannies to get heaven's language in there. You ain't got to force it on people. But the situations will arise when you can testify a little bit. When you can put on notice that you're a child of the king. You don't got to go force it on people. In fact, a lot of times you don't have to say anything at all. We've said this before. Just walk the walk. They know you're different. But do we speak heaven's language? The citizens of heaven understand spiritual things and enjoy discussing them. Look with me real quick at 1 John chapter 4. Verse 5 and 6. It says, They are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. What is he, what's that saying? saying the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We have discernment. We know. We have, a, we have a sense that tells us who is and who isn't. Each of you, each of you could testify real quick about somebody you walk up and you say, I, don't know, I, just don't like, I just don't get a good feeling about that person. Amen? Here's why. Because when... when when God promised to give us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and to walk with us and, and, to, and to be in communion with us all the time. And if we're in fellowship with Him and, and we're, our ear is in tune to Him, we can hear. And we can recognize when He's speaking to us that, hey, stay away from that gentleman. Beware of that gentleman. The next thing. The spiritually minded does not go around quoting the Bible verses like I talked about a while ago. But the spiritually minded are careful to speak in a manner listen to this 
They're careful to speak in a manner that glorifies God. Now that takes some discipline, doesn't it? They're careful that what comes out of their mouth will glorify the Father. They're careful not to let error or, or trash slip out of their mouth because that won't bring glory to God. We talked about discipline that last week, didn't we? But they have discipline and they're slow to speak. I think somewhere in there it says that, doesn't it? Be slow to speak. <coughs> Colossians 4.6 says this. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer to each one. I'm going to read it again. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's real easy for us to let our tongue just, what's, what's James say about our tongue? It's real easy for us to get loose at the mouth. Let your speech always be with grace. We could stop right there and have a sermon. How quick are we to bark at somebody or, or jump on somebody when this or that happens? But it says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Seasoned with salt. Seasoned with the gospel. Seasoned with, with, with the principles of God. That means you've got to stop and think before you open your mouth. You've got to stop and consider that if, if is what I'm about to say going to bring glory to God? You know, I go back to the gentleman that I've told you about that I worked with over the, that lost his children. And I really had to think about the things and how I responded to him. And the things that I said and asked God to, to lay on my heart words to say, open my mouth and speak through me. You ever pray that? That's healthy. That's healthy. I do that every week before I get up here. Father, this is your message. You deliver through me the vessel what you would have them hear. It's for your glory, not mine. That's the attitude we've got to have. You see, we all, to a certain extent, are, are preachers of the gospel. If you're walking around saved by His grace, redeemed by the Holy Spirit, then, then, then you're a vessel of the gospel. And being a vessel of the gospel, you have a responsibility that when you open this trumpet right here, what comes out of it needs to glorify Him, not glorify you or me. Don't be boastful. Don't be prideful. Because there's going to be a fall. 
but you're carrying around a megahorn. And we all love to use it, don't we? For the wrong things. Oh, our mouth, boy. Sometimes I, w sometimes I wish you were tongue-tied. <laughs> but, but it comes with responsibility that, that, that we must, before we speak, if we're going to speak heaven's language, that, then we've got to make sure that what we speak is going to glorify God. Okay? Next point. We obey heaven's laws. Now, again, he's talking to these people at Philippi and, 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 and uh, warning them about those old laws that they're, they're, the Judaizers are, are trying to get them to stand strong to. And, and he says here, we obey heaven's laws. The citizens of Philippi were governed by Roman law. Okay? They, were, they were a colony that was governed by Rome. Not Greek law, even though they were located hundreds of miles away. So they were a long way from Rome, but yet they were governed. It's just like us in Washington. <coughs> we, we can kind of relate, can't we? And, and he warns them against imitating the wrong citizenship. Okay? Because Rome, they were all about the law of Moses. That old religious system. And he's warning them here. He's saying, hey, remember you got dual citizenship. And God's laws override those laws of Rome. Amen. God's laws override those laws of Washington. Amen. Sorry to say, not really. Amen. You have dual citizenship. You are a citizen of heaven and you're a citizen of the United States. And as much as you can be responsible to the laws of the United States, but where it crosses God's laws, don't follow them. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Period. So he says to him, he says, don't imitate the wrong laws. Don't, don't imitate the wrong group of people. Look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, or I'll read it to you. It's very short. But it says here in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, it says, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. That's what we all should be doing. Doing our best to imitate, not Paul, but Christ. Not Scott, but Christ. Paul knew with everything he had gone through, with everything that, that had happened to him, no one any, any more so than him knew what it felt like to be an alien. Let me ask you, do you sometimes feel like as a Christian you're an alien in this old world? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Count it joy. Count it joy. And it's not pleasant sometimes. It's not pleasant a lot of times. Count it joy. 
Because your reward's on the other side. Paul knew himself to be an alien. He said, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul in 2 Peter 2.11. To keep ourselves separated, we have to push this old flesh down and, 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 and push away the things of this world that, that, that just are like magnets and draw to us, don't they? So, so for us to, to keep our minds focused on the citizenship in heaven and the laws that we should be focused on in heaven, we've got to sanctify the flesh. I mean, uh, not sanctify. We've got we to gotta push the old flesh down. Those old lusts that come against us. When we do that, then, then we can be drawn and, 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 and pursue and, and be drawn closer to those heavenly things. But he's warning them here. He's saying, listen. He's pleading with them. He's trying to show them. He's trying to get them to see. Listen, those things that Rome, Rome has got you trying to, to, to switch you over to and get you to follow leads you to death. What I'm trying to show you leads you to life. Oh. We're in the same boat. It's so easy for us to be to gravitate back over in the ditch. Just for a minute we lose focus and get our mind off heavenly things and quit looking at things from heaven's point of view and what happens? We're right back over on, uh, stuck again. It's a, it takes a diligent work. It takes a diligent effort every day of our life because as we grow greater in, in the Word of God and in our relationship with Him, Satan comes harder. He throws more roadblocks in. And, and he uses those things that we really like, our old flesh really likes, to suck us back off in the ditch. Paul's life was governed by heaven's laws. And this is what made him different. This, governed by heaven's laws, is what makes you and I different. It's what sets us apart. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says this, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. No flesh is a tough thing, isn't it? Next point. Paul is loyal to heaven's cause. Are you loyal to heaven's cause? Everything these Judaizers lived for was condemned by the cross. Jesus had broken down the wall that stood between the Jews and the Gentiles. And boy, they had issue with it. You say, well, I can't imagine. Well, let me ask you this. How many of you got issues with assembly or church or Christ or Presbyterian? or What's the difference? Saved to save. 
Lost is lost. There's not going to be no denominations in heaven. You either are saved or you're not saved. What about black, brown, red? Same principle. You are going to be shocked at what you see in heaven. Every race, I believe every denomination. Saved is saved. It don't come with color or denomination. It don't, come, it don't come with raising your hands or kneeling at a cross or at the, at the altar. Saved is saved. Same principle these, or issue where these, they were having here with these Jews and Gentiles. The Jews were saying, oh no, the Gentiles, they're not heirs to this. They can't partake in this. See the cross. Thank God for us. Cleansed all that. Opened up the lineage of Jesus to me and you. Made us partakers in a family that we had no heir to. Thank you, Father. Ephesians 2, 14-16 says this, For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace and that he might uh, reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity it's finished. It is finished. And he's trying to get them to see here that, that all that old stuff in their past that they, they've been so loyal to that they couldn't own up to, that they couldn't follow, doesn't matter anymore because of Jesus. Those things in our lives that we work so hard to, to be good at that we can't attain when it comes to God, there's grace. There's mercy through the blood of Jesus. So you can, you can stop working so hard at it. Because you you're never going to reach it without Him. You're never going to get there apart from saving grace through Jesus Christ. So just lay it all down. Put it all behind you. Be done with it. I promise you a load will be lifted. When you surrender. When you truly surrender it at the cross. Those Judaizers, they were set on earthly things. They couldn't see. They just couldn't get around it. They couldn't understand that that world they were so loyal to was crucified on Calvary. 
So Paul weeps. He weeps for him. He feels sorry for him. I'm going to tell you something. As a saved child of God, when you see somebody in a set of lost circumstances, your heart should weep for them. Sometimes it's amazing the things that you're visualizing with your eyes. Isn't it? That sin has taken over somebody's life so bad that they've, it's got them in a situation that is so desperate that you don't know any, uh, any way out. You do know. That's why your heart can weep for them. And that way is Jesus. Amen. Whether it's addiction, and there's all kinds, whatever the circumstances in their life may be, I see it all the time. And I think, oh, I feel so sorry for them, but those people. They need Jesus. Jesus is the only answer. But, but sin has destroyed them, their lives. But there's good news. Jesus can turn that all the way around. He practices in fixing messes. He, he's perfected taking the, the, the worst of the worst and using them for His glory. Just look at Paul. There's example after example after example throughout Scripture of that taking place. And he hadn't stopped. Until the trumpet sounds and he returns, it ain't stopped. So he's weeping for him. He truly is sorrowful for him. Next thing. As children of God, we should be looking for our Lord. We should be, we should be longing to see <coughs> Jesus. It should be on the forefront of our mind. It is on mine daily. I can't wait for His return. Or Him to call me home. You say, I can't believe you would say such a thing. You won't die? Let me tell you something. My house is in order. And I, I'm not going before he's ready for me to go. And as long as I'm here, I'm planning. My plan is to keep doing what he's called me to do and, and keep making things ready. So that when that moment in time comes, whether the trumpet sounds and, and we all look toward heaven and the countenance is like the lightning, or if he just calls me on there before he returns, my goal is to stand there and, and for him to say, well done. And I'm going to tell you something, it's a, it's a daily struggle. For me, just as much as anybody. Probably worse for me. I'm sorry. I'm wretched. This old flesh is, is bad stuff. Y'all's is probably better than mine. I got to work at it. But we should be looking 
and longing to see Jesus. If we aren't looking and longing to see Jesus, we need to take a look in the mirror and, 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 and come to the conclusion whether we really are saved or we're really not saved. Just putting it there. <coughs> there is a problem if you call yourself a Christian and you don't long to see Jesus. That means you're not quite as uncomfortable down here as you should be. <laughs> Sure, I don't want to leave my family behind. That's the flesh. But I, I, I got to tell you, if, if I've done my job as a father, and I've done my job as a husband, and been, and been a godly example in front of them, and showed them where the man is at, where the bread of life is at, that's all I can do. That's what I'm responsible for. Is to prepare them for Him. So we should be longing to see Jesus. We should have... It, it should be in us that, that we look forward to that. We look forward to heaven. Again, this old flesh doesn't like losing a loved one doesn't like being separated from a loved one but through faith in Jesus Christ you won't be separated forever and living up there we can't even put our mind we can't even wrap our mind around it it's gonna, we've been told and promised how much better it is so if you've enjoyed being with them here you're going to really enjoy being with them there now some of you may not enjoy being with others ready to Get them on out of here, but that's probably my wife. She'd probably push me on over the river. But but we're looking for our Lord. But these Judaizers, on the other hand, they're living in the past. We got some Judaizers down here living in the past. And, and, and Paul's telling them, stay focused on Christ and be looking for His return. There is tremendous energy. Listen to this. There is tremendous energy, because this is so. I find this so true after I read it. There is tremendous energy in the present power and, and of future hope for the believer in Christ. When you're in a set of circumstances and, and things are just whatever they are, maybe just coming down around, you just feel you just you're it's just like getting in tight and you're just like, oh my Lord. And when you stop and focus on God and the things of God, isn't there tremendous power and joy and hope just in knowing he's in control? And I, I would go as far as to say most times that's the one snippet of information and realization that gets you through. <laughs> it's just knowing that our God is completely sovereign. 
And that because you're a child of God, He's got you right here, and you can't get away. You can't get away. I told somebody yesterday in my driveway, it was David. We were talking about this job change. I said, you know, it's funny. I said, God don't just do things halfway. I was, I was a little concerned about my sleep. It's been several years since I worked nights. But not only did God open the door and give me the job, He's gave me way plenty rest every day. I'm talking about more than I ever anticipated. This weekend, I was worried about this weekend. I'm going to work all night, Thursday night, get up. You know, what am I going to do for the I don't want to sleep away the weekend and not be with the family. Why am I worried? I've had plenty of rest. The days that I needed to sleep during the day, I've slept. The, day, the nights I needed to sleep during the night, I've slept. God don't just do things in your life halfway. He makes a way that is complete. And if He sets something forth in motion, that work will be perfect. He won't forget anything. Nothing will get missed. It will be as whole as whole could ever be. Hebrews 12.2 says this. I'll read it to you real quick. If this fancy thing has Hebrews. Hebrews 12.2 says this. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The author and finisher. The work will be complete. The citizen, a couple of more points. The citizen of heaven, living on earth, is never discouraged because he knows that his Lord is one day returning and still sits on the throne. Good stuff, isn't it? The citizen of heaven, living on earth, is not ever discouraged because he knows that his Lord is one day returning and still sits on the throne. He faithfully keeps on doing his job lest, but, lest, because he knows that the Lord is one day returning and he doesn't want to be found disobedient. I don't want to be found disobedient. I don't want to be found taking a nap. What did he say about trimming lamps? It's ever more important. Right now, look, let me read you this. Luke, uh, I'm going to close with this. Oh, yeah. See, y'all don't got me long-winded again. <laughs> Luke 12. In Luke 12, verse 40, I'm going to start there. Therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, 
Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and the female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on, uh, come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him portion, uh, portion his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself, listen, or do according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did know yet, did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Don't get complacent. Don't get complacent. We've heard all our life He's coming. Well, I'm here to tell you again this morning He's coming. And we don't know the hour. We don't know the hour. But He will, for sure, return and reign forever. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time together. <coughs> We thank you for the blessings that you've, you've given us in each other, in the family of God, and in your word, and in Jesus. We just ask that you would continue to, to walk with us and guide us and speak to our hearts. Reveal yourself to us. Grow us. Nurture us. Lead us to that end reward. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.